Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. One of the most respected and experienced broadcasters in the industry, this is The Roy Green Show. They kept doing CPR for what seemed to be a, a really long time, and in, in the end he passed, and, and they put a sheet over him. That was later, uh, a little later, and then his body was there for, for a, a good chunk of the night. There's a uh, Brazilian tourist in, in Paris after that uh, terrorist knife attack yesterday, which claimed a life, and uh, four people were wounded. And I was just talking to uh, my good friend Scott Newark, and uh, he joins us now. Scott is former Alberta Crown Prosecutor, also the former Executive Director of the Canadian Police Association and served as a senior policy advisor to a federal public safety minister and now is an adjunct professor at Simon Fraser University. And uh, you said uh, it's a different world we live in. I was just thinking about that statement. You and I have been talking for about 25 years, and you've been... Uh, my go-to expert on the justice system for all that time. Everything I know about our justice system I've learned from you, and it's considerable. I think I could pass a bar exam now. <laughs> but uh, it is a very, very, very different world if we just look at the things that we talked about 25 years ago. We're still talking about some of them, uh, and some of them have made a return, but we weren't talking about these things. And here they are. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, we, we you you mentioned the uh, the attack in uh, Paris, uh, but you know, uh, there's also and you look in the news today as well too. There's also uh, an attack that uh, has killed people in Indonesia and people right. an attack in Afghanistan. Um, you know, as I say, this is uh, literally the new world that we are living in, and it's the security reality of it and how, as public authorities, um, we address it. And unlike the criminal justice system, where you know, traditionally success has been measured in uh, prosecution. In the terrorism world, it's measured in prevention. And so that triggers a whole lot of other issues because, you know, we don't want to give up that which makes us special, and that includes our civil rights and civil liberties. So there's a balancing of issues that's going on, and it's manifesting itself in, in different kinds of cases because you're dealing with you know, and what I find particularly alarming, uh, for example, about this uh, Toronto van attack, you're dealing with different motivations, uh, and it's not all just Islamist extremism, although that's obviously still the number one sort of uh, threat that's there, as is the uh, uh, the case in the, uh, the three incidents that I cited. Uh, but these kinds of attacks on that which makes our, you know, Western societies um, free and what we, in many ways, take for granted are becoming a new reality. You know, I was just thinking about something you said about a minute ago, and you said success is not measured any longer in, what was it? In, in the criminal justice world, okay. su- success was traditionally measure, measured in prosecution. Right. Now it's prevention. In the terrorism world where it's measured in prevention. So are we doing the job that needs to be done as far as prevention is concerned by allowing our border to be penetrated by thousands and thousands of people about whom we know nothing or almost nothing, and we're doing nothing about it or very little about it. 
Well, it's, uh, I guess I'd put it this way. Different people will come to different conclusions about that. But I think what's the important thing to appreciate is that feature of the potential security risk that's involved in a situation like the one that you described in our border. That's a reality. And in fact, one of the things that I've learned over the years, uh, if you pay attention to the bad guys, to the Islamist extremists, they almost always tell you what it is that they plan on doing. They're so arrogant and so narcissistic. And in fact, um, years ago, they warned as this sort of mass migration was flooding out of the Middle East and North Africa into Europe, was that they were going to include their people, their terrorists, amongst those uh, you know, uh, quotation marks, asylum seekers as a way to get their people into Western societies. So without even necessarily coming to a specific judgment, it's a new lens that, in my opinion, must be brought to all of these different situations precisely because we are living in a different world. I spoke with Joe Warmington yesterday, our mutual friend, yeah. uh, again about the borders and the fact that the uh, one of the central intelligence services in this country, CISC, has warned police services across Canada about the potential infiltration of Canada MS-13. by MS-13. Yeah. 70,000 members, the most violent street gang in the world. They, the, the crimes they commit are just absolutely horrific. And what's to stop them from entering Canada? And as Joel pointed out in his column and in our conversation, they already have a history in Toronto. And uh, the then chief, Bill Blair, who is now a senator, liberal senator, uh, warned Captain that... Minister. Huh? Liberal cabinet minister. Is he? Yeah. Oh, no, he's a senator, isn't he? No. Bill Blair, no. Oh. Well, he behaves like a senator. <laughs> <laughs> you should hear Scott and I talk when we're not on the air. But, <laughs> but uh, okay, so cabinet minister Bill Blair uh, said that there had been a situation with MS-13 in Toronto where a justice official's life had been threatened. And they took that very seriously. So this is, again, an issue that we cannot ignore. MS-13 entering Canada, and the, the, uh, the warning is Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal would be their preferred areas. They get into those cities, everything changes. Yeah, and, um, you know, you look at uh, what is going on in the United States, it is naive of us to think that, for example, if the Americans start cracking down on these people, many of whom are illegally in the United States, uh, that they're just going to wait to get uh, arrested. Uh, they may well decide to come north. Mm-hmm. And even if it's to come north to hide out for a while before they go back south, okay, which will potentially also happen, that is a, uh, a threat reality uh, for both of our countries, which is why I think, and what I think, it should be the approach that our government is taking in saying to the Americans, look, it's time to, number one, renegotiate the Safe Third Country Agreement. It makes no sense that it doesn't apply between ports of entry. And second, we've got to deliver on what was contained in the Beyond the Border Agreement, which is essentially a mobile uh, interdiction force between ports of entry to deal with exactly the kinds of situations you're describing. Because uh, if those circumstances evolve, as I suspect they will in the United States, you may not have the people crossing all at one uh, you know, location between a port of entry where they're walking over to the RCMP. They may start coming into places where they're not going to be detected. And we don't find out about it, usually, until after they commit crimes in Canada. Yep. And, you know, it's interesting you talk about mobile uh, border uh, crossings. or Interdiction units, yeah. That's it. That's a big word. I, don't, I can't handle that. Two words. Interdictions, two words? Interdiction units. Oh. But interdiction's one word. Yes, but units is another one. And Bill Blair's Bill a cabinet minister. So... <laughs> 
My point was, you sure he's a cabinet minister? My point was that Roxham Road, we hear all this talk about Roxham Road, and I know exactly where it is. Yep, so do I. Why would they not put a mobile border interdiction uh, thingy there to stop them from crossing into Canada? People say to me, you're inhuman, Green. You're saying stop people from entering Canada. And I say exactly what I'm saying. There are rules and regulations about entering this country and force them. Yeah, and, I mean, and it's not just the Americans, Scott. We're responsible for our borders. Yeah, they have a responsibility to monitor who they're letting into into our country. But ultimately, it's on us about what goes on at our borders. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, we, uh, the Justice Department, uh, I was involved in the original discussions with the Americans, even uh, from my days in the Canadian Police Association, about getting some kind of an agreement in place. And the federal government took uh, over, and the Justice Department somehow put in these exceptions that it didn't apply to be between ports of entry, and it also didn't apply to non-visa countries, which no one has ever explained, you know, the rationale for. So this was our government that insisted on this? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes, and it was included. It's, if you go and you check in the, uh, the agreement and the regulations, uh, it's included in there. And no one has ever asked the question, like, you know, why did why? we uh, do that? Um, but but to your point, though, I mean, even if we designated that particular crossing as a designated port of entry, which meant that the Safe Third Country Act would apply, they'd move 100 yards down the road. Okay, they, the, the professional industry of human smuggling, which mm-hmm. definitely read Justin Trudeau's tweets, okay, have realized that there is a, uh, an enormous loophole that they can exploit so as to gain entry to Canada. And the other thing after that is that even if we um, make determinations that people aren't uh, entitled to refugee status or that they're inadmissible on you know like grounds like criminality global news has done a fantastic job of reporting on that because you know there's a difference this is canada there's a difference between being um, ordered deported and actually being removed and it turns out guess what folks of the people who've been determined that they aren't Refugees, or that they're inadmissible, less than one percent have actually been removed. Yeah, you and I have talked. I mean, Global does a Global does a terrific job on this. Yes, but we we've been talking about this sort of thing going on forever. There was the Palestinian Liberation Organization terrorist who was involved in a hijacking of a plane in Greece, where somebody who died. He came to Canada, lied about why he was here and who he was. He was ordered deported, but he ended up still owning and operating a a, a variety store in Brantford, Ontario, for some 20 years before he yeah. was removed from the country. Mohammed, Mohammed, Mohammed. That's right. That's there. right, yeah. yeah. Hey. Uh, uh, so l- let me ask you this, though. Um, is the Secretary General of the United Nations doing anything at all responsible? I'm sorry, Justin Trudeau, doing anything at all responsible on our borders? Um, I don't think so. I, um, I think the... Um, I mean, we're talking about this. Let me give you an example, and this is not just for Justin Trudeau. It's been going on forever. Um, the the need for the mobile uh, uh, border interdiction units. Mm-hmm. We've got, for example, the cross border enforcement agreement with the Americans called the Ship Rider Program, where we're you know joined together on the border. You know who's not part of the uh, cross border enforcement program? The Canada Border Services Agency. <laughs> what? Like oh, that doesn't make my. any sense. Uh, no, I don't think really that this government has uh, done what it, uh, it, it should and could be doing. And I think what is happening as well, too, is as you're seeing 
this particular manifestation about all of the uh, what what are illegal crossers and excuse me uh, to the justice minister they're illegal not irregular okay read the legislation um, you're seeing the the results of it and what concerns me about that is that if we don't um, get proactive on some of these issues, including an enhanced lookout system for people who are trying to come to enter the country illegally. Um, you know, it's, we're going to end up being reactive. And all too often, we, you know, recognize these people being here after they've committed crimes. Yep. Let me take a break. We're going to come back with uh, Scott Newark with more on what's happening at our borders and also on the uh, self-admitted, although now he's trying to retract what he said, self-admitted ISIS killer was quite happily living in Toronto and not being pursued by anyone. And when raised in Parliament, the Prime Minister became quite agitated with James Bazan and started talking about being divisive. And and then Candace Bergen was on the air with us yesterday, the, the uh, Conservative Party House leader, on her exchange with Ralph Goodale. You just have to, you just look at Ralph Goodale, you know he's not comfortable He's not comfortable with Justin Trudeau's agenda. Mr. Goodale, walk away. In case I'm reading it correctly. And uh, Alec Manassian, is there? Uh, is it likely that a not criminally responsible defense is going to be tried? We'll come back with Scott New York. Proudly Canadian and making Canada proud. This is the Roy Green Show. Send your emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Remember, the webpage is RoyGreenShow.com. Listen back to my conversation with Scott Newark or anything else that we've aired just by going to the podcasts. And you can also download any of the segments of the program. Talking with Scott, former Alberta Crown Prosecutor, also the former Executive Director of the Canadian Police Association, Senior Policy Advisor to a Federal Public Safety Minister, Adjunct Professor at SFU, and uh, was a national um, a Canadian federal security advisor and to the province of Ontario. You've worn a lot of hats, my friend, and you still do. On this issue of Alec Manassian, let me ask you to put your prosecutor's hat on. Sure. Uh, I asked you this before a few weeks ago. I sent you an email one evening and I, because I was just sitting thinking and I thought, for some reason, not criminally responsible is going to be tried. What do you think? Um. I think that is probably likely, especially now that he is obviously lawyered up. Um, the uh, it, it's an ironic situation when you think about it because um, I remember actually prosecuting some cases, and and we're in a situation where literally the crime becomes the defense, right? In other words, this crime is so horrific, I, this person must have been crazy to do it. Um, this case, I think they're going to have some difficulties because of the evidence that is obviously there. Uh, they've got some uh, clear evidence of pre-planning on this guy's part. They've got evidence of uh, motivation uh, in the sense of the uh, the post that he made. I presume they've also got evidence from the van rental company when you know they probably asked him, what are you renting the van for? I kind of doubt he said, because I'm going to go kill people. Um, there, is, there appears to be obviously the, uh, absolutely no doubt that he knew what he was doing. That's one of the basis for a, a not criminally responsible finding. Or the other one that uh, 
Uh, he didn't know that it was morally wrong, and I don't think the evidence is in any way going to support that. That doesn't mean, however, that his uh, lawyers and who's ever paying for them uh, are not going to make that argument, perhaps even starting with the one that he's not fit to stand trial. But I think the evidence is very strong uh, on this particular case, obviously because of the horrific facts of it, um, that uh, it's not going to be successful. Now, the uh, individual who told the New York Times um, podcasters that he was an ISIS assassin, described how yeah. he killed the smell of death. Now he's saying, no, I didn't really do that. I made that up. But he, that's what he said to the New York Times podcasters. He's living in Toronto. He's, uh, he says nobody's troubling him. He was brought up in Parliament by by uh, Mr. Bazan and by uh, uh, Candace Bergen. And the liberals are fighting back, and uh, Mr. Trudeau saying, oh, you're trying to be divisive. It's the conservatives of 10 years ago. Well, that's got to do with anything only he knows. How do you read this one? Uh, more questions than answers, frankly. Um, the, um, and I've, I've done some digging around on a little bit uh, myself. Uh, the, uh, a couple of things right off the top. I mean, I have tons of questions that I would like to see uh, asked and answered on this. Um, and, and by the way, I think the, uh, the new uh, National Security uh, Committee of Parliamentarians might be a great place to do it. It would all be uh, in camera, and they could ask the officials the very blunt and pragmatic questions to see exactly what happened and what hasn't happened here. But the other thing that in, in particular you've got to remember is, we discussed it before, never forget the, uh, the, do- the Islamic doctrine of taqiyah, which is it's okay to lie about everything. Okay, so you can't take anything that this guy says as being um, accurate in any way. And as you correctly pointed out, he's already contradicted himself like a half a dozen different times. But I think, I tell you, Roy, seriously, from my perspective, the thing that worries me the most about this case, and I had mentioned it, uh, I think I had told you, when I testified earlier this year on the new counterterrorism bill, C-59, I'd done some uh, review and evidence given by a deputy commissioner of the RCMP in charge of national security I found extremely alarming because they were asking about, you know, the potential of returning jihadis. And his answer basically was, well, you know, uh, this is uh, difficult for us to deal with because it only becomes an issue, you know, when we learn about it in the media. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, like, what? You mean you don't already have an existing database of people who you believe to have left and have gone off and are fighting, you know, uh, have become part of ISIS or other Islamist groups so that you're on the lookout for them? You're not working with CSIS and CBSA? Uh, and, I mean, that's what I must admit I find a little concerning about the what has been reported on this so far, because it's not in, at all clear that, uh, that that took place or when exactly uh, they had their interactions with this guy. So lots of questions that need to be asked and very definitely need to be answered. And this is probably not the only case, because... We know that it was just two or three weeks ago that uh, Global News broke the story that uh, national authorities have warned that returning ISIS members could pose a chemical weapons threat. Yeah. Yeah, so this is all very serious business. It, it really is, and nothing is ever going to be perfect, but you want to know, for example, in a guy like this, okay? Um, I've got 10 he, seconds, buddy. Okay, where did he come from? Who did he associate with? I mean, according to the latest thing that I saw, at 13, his parents sent him off to a madrasa in, uh, in Pakistan. Really? Who are they? Have they got any other kids? Yep. You need to, this, these, this kinds of facts that you get, you need to ask those questions. Scott Newark, thank you, as always. All right, Roy. Thanks. Scott Bye. Newark on The Roy Green Show. We're back after this.